In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. With your permission, Lord Jesus Christ, truly present with us in this meditation, the topic of our conversation with our Lord is interior struggle. And I want to begin with words of Jesus that probably put his listeners on edge or left them befuddled and perplexed because he addressed a big crowd that wasn't a select crowd, Anybody who showed up heard this. This is in the Sermon on the Mount. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. We've heard this many times, but let's just detain ourselves. A Pharisee, ostensibly lived the Ten Commandments, the moral law. Even though that's the normal way to live, the great majority don't live the Ten Commandments. They get a C average. The the multiples of three get the great majority of people. They had at least looking at, looking at it externally, a robust spiritual life. They prayed a number of times a day. They fasted. They gave alms. That must have been discouraging to hear from Jesus that unless you go beyond those role models of the Jewish people, you can't be on my team. You've got to go way beyond them. Your your holiness has to go way beyond someone who fasts, who gives money, who lives the moral law, who prays a number of times a day. What was missing there, and we could, you know, Pharisees, they weren't all hypocrites. I'm sure some were disciples of Jesus were Pharisees. We know that Nicodemus, who buried our Lord, was a Pharisee. There was three lacks in the Pharisees. They didn't know how to repent. So Jesus praises the publican. His prayer is better than the Pharisees' prayer. The publican says, be merciful to me, I'm a sinner. The Pharisee had no motive to make an act of contrition. The Pharisee was a high performer. And because he failed to repent and had no motive or occasion to ask for mercy, he didn't love God and he didn't love others. How do do we know he didn't love God? At least the Pharisee portrayed in the parable of the public and the Pharisee because he was unmerciful towards the publican. So when you don't love others, you don't love God. So lack of repentance, number one. 
Number two, lack of love for God. His prayer was not personal with God. It was very formalistic, cold prayer, dry prayer. And thirdly, he had no affection and compassion for others, especially those alienated from God. As I was preparing my thoughts, I found a quotation from a cardinal or an archbishop who was in solitary confinement in Vietnam for nine years and a prisoner for 13. He was the designated archbishop of Saigon that is called now Ho Chi Minh City. And when Saigon fell, he was arrested and was in solitary for 13 years. Nine years, 13 years in prison. And I met a seminarian from Tennessee of Vietnamese origin during this program in Rome I was involved with called the Rome Experience. And his grandfather was a major in the Vietnamese Army, South Vietnamese Army, and also was captured and arrested and overlapped in prison with this cardinal who has hence died a number of years ago. And the young man, the seminarian, told me that this bishop, this archbishop, made a profound impression on him because the conditions were horrendous, according to this young man. It's a timely quote on this Feast of the Exaltation of the Holy Cross because I read his book, I gotta get the title right, it's called Testimony of Hope. The one on John Paul is the witness to hope. And he writes a spiritual commentary on his sojourn in prison. John Paul, St. John Paul, invited him to give him and his papal court a retreat during the Jubilee year, in the year 2000. And he said he made a big discovery when he was in prison. He said he was an accomplished prelate of the church. He was a sought-out speaker, wrote some books, rector of a seminary, maybe two, under his tour of duty. Enrollment went up, way up, very accomplished. And he says in his book, I was very good about, I was good at talking about God. And when I went into prison, I started to discover that I can't just talk about God, I have to talk to God. And it caused an immense amount of suffering because he'd hear the bells pealing from the cathedral. So he knew he was not too far from the cathedral. Very hungry, very thirsty. And he, I met him, matter of fact, I met him in the 80s, or was it the 90s? And he had a pectoral cross made out of bamboo, someone explained. He made it while he was a prisoner. And here's a quotation, and I think we all could benefit from this. He says the following in his diary. I will no longer look back, but do willingly simply, humbly, and bravely 
the duties that come from the circumstances in which I find myself as your will. Let me try to decipher my own writing. I will no longer look back, but I do willingly, simply, humbly, and bravely the duties that come from the circumstances in which I find myself as your will. To do quickly, to do everything, to do it well, to do it joyfully. Whatever you want of me right now, even if it is beyond my strength, even if it asks my life. Finally, at this last hour. And another quotation, I wish I had it with me, but the gist of it is, I want to turn every minute that remains in my life into an act of love. During that sojourn where he seemed ostensibly ineffective. First meditation, we meditated on repentance. Jesus says, repent. The Greek word is metanoia, which means an overhaul, a profound conversion. The Greek, the English language does not do complete justice to the original Greek, nor does the Latin. The Latin gets a little closer. Penitemony. Metanoia is the original word. And then he says, then believe in the gospel. Belief is a very loaded word. It means a lot more than simple assent or simple agreement. Using ideas of St. John Paul and Pope Benedict, and implicitly Francis as well, I need to give myself totally and act out and put into practice everything Jesus says. In summary, that means I need to make a mission statement and renew that mission statement and commit myself, in, commit myself to becoming a saint. Now we Americans, who are very much into performance and achievement, we have to be a little careful. There's nothing wrong with wanting, wanting to be a saint. I mean, that's a, a, a very lofty goal. It doesn't get loftier than that. But we need to be careful not to see this as high achievement. I really want to make it in the spiritual life. I want to be a great performer. It's not performance. It's the perfection of self-giving love. Self-giving love to God, self-loving love to others. Not a high performer. Which means, but that was the last meditation. I need, it's a mystery, weaknesses and defects and understood properly, sins. Because the rendezvous point of holiness is Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. I don't make myself a saint. Jesus Christ does through his Holy Spirit. Without me, you could do nothing. What do you need from me, Jesus? I need two things. I need you to say very often, have mercy on me, a sinner, and really mean it. And really 
depend on me and rely on me and realize that you can't do it without me. I need that out of you. I didn't get that from the Pharisee. So I couldn't work with him. He didn't need me. He attributed his virtues to himself. And then I need you to be that good soil. I need you to struggle. There's a variety of words. You take your pick. St. Teresa of Avila says, I'm intimidated even imagining her saying that, this tough Spanish woman of the 16th century, this no-nonsense woman. I'll say it in Spanish. Determinación. Kind of hard to say it in English. English is determination, but I can just imagine that Castilian accent. Determinación. You know, intimidating the nuns. To be a saint, you got to be determined. But determined not to be a perfectionist, determined to walk with Jesus Christ. St. Augustine, that great repenter who wrote whatever it is, almost 400 pages, which is one long act of contrition called his Confessions. He says you got to desire and enhance your desire. Desire for what? Desire for being a saint. Desire to identify yourself with Jesus. Saint Jose Maria liked the word struggle. You have to struggle. John Paul liked the word the total gift of self. We take our pick. What's this first step in struggle? What's the first step in running a marathon? I have to want to run the marathon. What's the first step in learning German or Chinese? I have to want to learn Chinese. I have to want to learn German. And then I will go through the necessary steps. What's the goal here? I want to be identified with Christ. I want to love with the heart of Christ. That, that's the first step. At least the contemporary saints saw themselves as sinners, but they didn't want to be saints. And they knew sanctity was not about them, but about our Lord. And so they were faithful to their prayer life and good repenters. John Paul is on record saying a number of times, I want to be a saint. And someone commented, you're so tired. And he said, I know, but... I need to struggle to be a saint. And St. Therese, who saw herself very sinful and fighting against despair, and Mother Teresa fighting against despair as well. Her memoirs report that she went through a lot of crises of faith. Her prayer was dry. She felt alienated from God. She felt hypocritical. But she wanted to be a saint. And Therese wanted to be a saint. And I try to listen to our Lord saying that to me. Peter, do you want to be a saint? Bill, Joe, Bob, do you want to be a saint? And maybe we could say, Lord, with the grace of God, yes. We read in the way, kind of a little reality check. You tell me, yes, I want to, good. But do you want to, as a miser, wants his gold? 
as a mother wants her child, as a worldling wants honors, or as a poor sensualist wants his pleasure, no, then you don't want to. What zeal men and women put into their earthly affairs, dreaming of honors, striving for riches, bent on sensuality, men and women, rich and poor, old and middle-aged, and young and even children, all of them alike. When you and I put the same zeal into the affairs of our souls, then we'll have a living and working faith, and there will be no obstacle that we cannot overcome in our apostolic works. And what a great service to our family, to our church, to our friends, if we decide to be saints. I've been blessed. I don't know if I hope I could witness something like that. And again, I've been to two, one beatification, one canonization. And it's kind of like a sacramental. It's a symbol. We see hundreds of thousands of people there. And it's kind of a catechesis of the power of someone trying to be a saint. Not everybody, most people are called not to draw those kinds of crowds. But the Holy Spirit, once in a while, reveals the amount of good a saint does. Well, Mary, we put ourselves in your hands, Queen of Heaven and Earth, and we ask you to pray for us so that we have the generosity and faith to desire holiness which is the greatest contribution to the new evangelism. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations you've communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help in putting them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.